Are we not men? Are we not men? Are we not men? Are we not men? Okay, this might even be a little offensive to Devo. I'm not saying they're the most musical dudes on earth, but what you're doing is something else. Uh, Babe, babe, I I do do have a question for you, though, before we we get started. Uh, Are we not men? Okay. Are we not men? Okay. Hi, everybody. Uh, Welcome to I Think You'd Be Into It, the uh, podcast. (laughs) You sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, the podcast about your problematic spuds. Uh, I'm your host, Brandon Beck. I'm your other host, Beth Scorzato. And uh, joining us today, you know him from a lot of things, but specifically from winning a million dollars on One versus 100 in 2008. Uh, but from podcasting, from the internet, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Jason Luna. Jason, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us and living through that bit. Yeah, I mean, we we all know de-evolution is real, so like I had to I had to start the show as devolved as possible. Mm, but you do that every show. That's that's true, and it works like a charm every time. Smooth. It's always the smoothest transition. So smooth. Speaking of smooth and charming transitions, before we get started with uh, the mother's boss uh, at Al, uh, we're gonna do a go through a quick round of things we're into. This week, if anybody has one they'd like to share, that's great. But if not, I can go first. You can go first this time. I went first to the last two times. That's that's true. You did, and 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 I appreciate that. From I you. do still have one though. I already told you. I, you you did, and I do not remember what it is. <laughs> um, but the thing that I am into this week is uh, Edgar Wright's new documentary, The Sparks Brothers. Oh yeah, that's that really long, do- boring documentary you watched last night. Yep. Uh, we're, we're recording this the, the day it came out, but, uh, when you're hearing this, it'll have been out for a little while. It's, uh, Edgar Wright's new documentary. He's the guy that made Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Baby Driver, uh, Scott Pilgrim, uh, Spaced, you know, all, all, all the great shows. And he has now teamed up with the band Sparks, uh, to do a very comprehensive, very long. <laughs> the thing about Sparks is everything about them seems like this documentary was supposed to be like Spinal Tap. Um, I don't, th- I don't think it's so much that vibe as. But just I mean, like... from from outside, everything about this movie feels like this band is fake. Oh, sure, yeah, that's that's totally fair, and I think because everything about Sparks kinds of kind of seems fake and wild and weird. Oh, you're you're an '80s man, Jason. Have you ever heard of them? Because I hadn't. Yes, I have. I was. Um, I agree. They're very confrontational. Like I know that song. All we ever think about is sex. They just keep going over and over with that. Sure. It's kind of, and it's like part charming, part off-putting. I guess. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the vibe. I, I never got the off-putting part of it, but like, they definitely have that same sort of thing as like 
early they might be giants where it's just like weird and angular uh and it's it's just these two odd dudes doing odd things uh one of whom is like you know a pretty boy rock and roll guy and the other one looks like fucking a cross between Hitler and Charlie Chaplin uh which which isn't which isn't me saying that which the movie says that about a hundred times but it, it's a really solid documentary and I had never really listened to much Sparks before this there was one song of theirs that dropped like a year ago that I really really enjoyed but otherwise I, I for whatever reason couldn't I just didn't know where to start because they have like 25 records uh, they're all pretty different. Well, now you've been hand-walked through every single one of them track by track, so... Yeah, I sure have, um, which is what... That's the, which what this is... movie is. That's why it's, like, four hours long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. It, it, it goes through... Um, they might skip, like, one or two, but it goes through almost all 25 of their records as of when the movie was made um, over the course of nearly two and a half hours. And th- that's kind of my only issue with the movie is... I feel like there should have been a version of this that, that was an hour 50, and then the two-and-a-half-hour version is the, like, you know, if you're a real big Sparks fan. Because <laughs> it felt like it ended for about 40 minutes. But beyond that, um, it was really charming. It was uh, it was smart. And, and unlike a lot of documentaries I've watched recently about kind of, like, legendarily prolific bands like uh, Alex Winter's Zappa documentary um, – mm-hmm. Which I, I feel like didn't do a good job of of explaining why his stuff was interesting. Just it just kept saying that he was a genius, but not really explaining like why um, or putting it in context. But th- this movie does a lot better of a job of explaining like what the thing that these guys do is that's that's interesting and has led to them having a five decade career, uh, despite the fact that every about. Every 20 minutes in the movie, they release an album that fails, and everyone's like, oh, I guess that's it for Sparks. And then Sparks are like, I don't think so. And then show back up, you know, a few years later, and everyone's like, oh, Sparks, cool. Um, And just repeat for two and a half hours. Um, But yeah, that's that's my thing. Uh, The Sparks Brothers, uh, directed by uh, the one and only Edgar Wright. Okay, things I'm into this week, uh, other than my cat, are... uh... (laughs) It's very dumb. It's very stupid, but in a week that was very long and very stupid, I got so much joy out of <laughs> Heroes Don't Do That. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know what that means, um, this week on the internet appeared, so this week as of time of recording per usual, appeared on the internet a basically blind quote in Variety Um, attributed to a nameless DC exec as a part of an interview about the Harley Quinn animated TV show in which the writer mentions that they had a scene in the show where Batman was uh, going down on Catwoman and uh, DC made them take it out and said that... And it was in the context of him saying that, like, we can't have that because we have to sell toys of these characters And heroes don't do that, which might be the possibly the funniest possible way they could have given phrased that note Um, and has just really, uh, especially within the comics community, just really captured our imaginations of how fucking funny that is, especially those of us that have worked 
with DC Comics and worked with Batman Comics before. Um, it, because it's definitely like a corporate, like studio side of the business. Note, but like on the because on the comic side, he definitely has and has been shown to. So like. It's just this wild, like, it's such a marketing note. Like, I think that's what's so beautiful about it is not even the, like, sex joke of it. The, the like, pure feeling of just how that's such a strong, weird corporate marketing note that yeah. we have to sell toys of these characters and heroes don't do that. So it's just really spawned a lot of jokes and a lot of memes a lot of discussions about Superman and, and the rest of the Justice League. And it's just, it's really giving me a lot of joy in an otherwise very long week. That's fair. It also explains why I've never felt like a real hero. Oh, yeah. Same, right? same. Yeah. That, that was also, that was the, that was the <laughs> only joke you were allowed to make, apparently. <laughs> it, it feels like it's the most, like, it. You you would think that Zack Snyder said it, but he didn't. And but it feels like the most like Zack Snyder, Frank Miller, you know, I'm the goddamn Batman. I don't need I don't No, need... because Frank Miller loves talking about at least Batman's dick. That's so... that's true. But do you think Frank Miller has ever eaten pussy in his life? But again, this isn't this is what I'm saying. I I don't think this is a comics problem. No. Like it's coming across like it's a comics problem because it said like a nameless DC exec, but like I guarantee that exec was on the like corporate marketing or like Warner Brothers studio side. They were not one. It was the way they made it sound. People are taking it like the DC comics editorial said that Batman doesn't eat pussy. And we we're like, no, <laughs> DC comics people think this is hilarious. I mean, that's what Je Jeff Johns's tombstone is going to say. Heroes don't do that. Jeff Johnson's team is going to say something, but it ain't going to be that. I'll tell you that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, anyway, that's what I was into this. It just—it was just a very stupid little line item in a Variety article that got blown out of proportion, but in a way that really just made me laugh. <laughs> I saw a kind of amazing photo that someone took of a Batman action figure sadly leaning against a wall, while a Catwoman. Specifically, Anne Hathaway Catwoman action figure walked away hand in hand with a Jar Jar Binks action figure. Yeah, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of memes going around, a lot of good jokes, a lot of drawings. Uh, there, it even things like um, has now spawned. In case people were wondering about Marvel, and somebody posted uh, some pages from his grandfather's final sketchbook, and his grandfather is the guy who created Nightcrawler, and uh, <laughs> from that sketchbook it's like two panels one of of kurt like peeking around the tree at, he created um nightcrawler and storm and and from one of his final sketchbooks there's like a picture of nightcrawler like peeking around a tree at like a naked storm and then the next panel is his him just down fucking facing her legs <laughs> do you do you do you think when nightcrawler finishes it makes the bamf sound no no i guess he's not teleporting yeah Oh wait, then who am I thinking of? Who's the who's the who's the Banff guy? That's not Nightcrawler. Oh, he he Banffs when he teleports, not when he licks well, a girl. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I that was the joke. That was the joke I was trying to make. <laughs> I know, oh, but it didn't like work. A, like a you know, like a ejaculation thing. Yeah, yeah, right? but, yeah. The, but they're unrelated. Yeah, that was that. He that was he doesn't he doesn't come and run. No, he he comes and teleports, disapparates, and appears somewhere else. <laughs> That's very rude. Uh, it's super stay. rude, but you know. 
he's gonna live his life. No, he's not. Kurt is Kurt is a very polite young man. Well, he's old <laughs> that's, now. But that's it matter. that's true. That's true. my he point is, is a sweet. Boy. I got a lot of joy out of this very stupid thing that um, a lot of people in my industry seized on as as hilarious as it is um, for the week. And that that was what I was into this week. Anyway, Jason, are you into anything this week? <laughs> well, yeah, it's a little more basic. It is comic book related. Uh, I watched Loki episode two last night. Mm. That, show, that show keeps on going. That was the thing Brandon was into last week. It's it fucks. It's so good. Yeah, how are you? How are you? How are you liking it? Yeah, I like it a lot. I think uh, how like because the MCU was stilted, pretty stilted for a while. I, I always liked it, but it seems like they're really getting into like character acting and stuff. So I, I, it's very enjoyable to watch generically. I think the thing that's that's made it feel so different from all the other Marvel stuff is that like so much of it is just two dudes talking in like a library or an elevator or a cafeteria and it's just these two very specific voices bouncing off of each other that i've just found so so charming and fun so yeah i can't wait for more of those we've got i think by the time this is out they might all be out but yeah yeah it'll be done as of right now we've still got four left uh so so by the time by the time this airs guys hopefully they nailed the finale and you'll see me screaming about it on an episode a couple more from now i'm sure I'm sure there's going to be a part where uh, where Loki turns to Owen Wilson and goes, "Are we not men?" And Owen Wilson oh is God. like, "No, oh, we're we're Devo. Oh, yeah, we're Devo. <laughs> no, it's, no, Take it away, boys. I I I I don't know. Ah, you gave me a little bit of a Jocko homo, huh? The thing the thing that I the thing that I said to Brandon was, I respect Devo, but I don't understand Devo. Oh wow." Evolving up from little snails. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, wow. What we do is what we do. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is just going to be the show now. Oh, my God. Owen Wilson does Devo. Have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, uh, Luke, a question for you. Uh, are, are, we not, are we not men? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, Devo, uh, the uh, incredibly, just like Sparks, really, incredibly singular rock band. Uh, formed in Akron, Ohio in 1973 by uh, Mark Mothersbaugh uh, and his brother Bob. Uh, Mark Mothersbaugh has gone on to uh, write this music for everything you love, really. Uh, a lot of great cartoons, a lot of Wes Anderson movies, uh, a lot of stuff like that. Um, but yeah, uh, Jason, how did you how did you find Devo, and what about them was appealing to you sort of before we get into the band proper because they're 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 such a specific thing that like you either you're either gonna love them or or find them excruciating yeah for me um i remember i was uh 13 and uh i I didn't really have any albums at that point but i was watching um it must have been vh1 they were doing their like i love the 80s and all that stuff oh sure and they they were they were playing the the whippet video and that was like a perfect in for me because it's like uh, the song is what I fell in love with. But the the video has, is just so iconic and silly that like, you know, it it just really for some reason sp- spoke to me directly. And then I ended up buying th- that that album, Freedom of Choice. And then I guess I don't know what it, it just it's it's synced up so quickly. I don't even remember, you know, being won over or anything. I just bought every album. And listen to them over and over and over again for a long time. What, what what about them grabbed you so deeply so quickly? 
I think what it was, um, it's so weird because I remember I don't remember thinking consciously like, oh, I like keyboards and synthesizer, but there was some point where I did, and the Whippet song is just such a tight construction musically, you know, the drum part, the guitar part, the keyboard. It, I, I, I've never really heard a song that was so like the quintessential sort of pop song for me. Sure. So I think that was that was what really drew me into it was that, I, that musically they. They led me through things, and then you get into the lyrics. You get like you get like multiple ways of analyzing it, and like you know, learning things about it as you listen to it. So yeah, when a problem comes along, you must whip it. Wow, which whip it good? Yeah. <laughs> I I am burdened with glorious whippings. I mean, well, that's the big one everybody knows. Yeah, yeah. I still think it's yeah, it's a very good song, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it's 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 such a great and such a specific song and it it even though it's so like the song and video for Whip It are are very quintessentially like 80s MTV. They also have this like there's like a weird retro vibe to it that feels like almost like an inversion or like a parody of what you think you would be seeing on MTV at that point. Um which is sort of kind of what their whole deal was um the the name devo comes from the uh, a term that they just made up called de-evolution uh i, I mean okay the term de-evolution existed but they harnessed it um as a sort of like you know we're all at the end of the day we're all dumb and everything's dumb so we might as well embrace that everything's dumb and that we're just going to devolve back into you know spuds you know, and become potato people, but it's it's so it's so weird to me that these guys came from Akron of all places. Well, I guess like it must be pretty boring. So maybe maybe they just like had a lot of time to come up with wacky ideas or something. That's all I can think of. Yeah. I mean, Devo has big fucking like suburbs band energy for sure. Oh yeah, I suppose that's I suppose that's true. Yeah, I, I'd always sort of like lumped them in with that sort of like. East Villagey, you know, they might be giants, talking heads, sort of like, yeah. you know, they they feel like they would be New York art weirdos, but um, I, yeah, said so they're Ohio art weirdos, which is like, honestly, maybe a more potent strain of art weirdo. Well, it's more apropos for de-evolution because Ohio is a you know way further down than uh, New York or something. That's that's yeah. very true. I, I yeah. heard some interview with uh. Mark Mothersbaugh at one point where he was talking about like some of their first gigs were just at like you know little bars you know in Akron for like people that were you know working at factories and they're and he was like they they just wanted to hear like you know a band play taking care of business or something like that and then here we are you know yelling about de-evolution um which I I would I would pay so much money to be able to uh, uh, Loki my way back in time and see one of those early Devo shows just to see, like, how confused the, like, Akron townies were uh, by these dudes who would eventually, you know, blow up and become kind of, like, world famous. And Yeah, man, they just got off a long day on the line. They just want to hear some Springsteen. Yeah, and then, and then you've got Mark Mothersbaugh yelling at you. <laughs> Instead, they got dudes in weird hats screaming. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, we should talk about the outfits too. Uh, Jason, how, how would you? Were they always a part of it? 
I yeah, I think so. Um, Jason, how would you just des- how would you describe their uh, the sort of standard Devo look? It's interesting. I think it's they change they change it up. I think you know they started out with this sort of uh, industrial type look, like hazmat suits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then I started thinking of the Devo hat. And I have no idea how to categorize that other than it's supposed to be weird. Kind of looks like a a dish turned upside down or something. I don't. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. It looks. It looks like. It looks like a tiered cake. Like it's just three rings that get smaller and smaller. Uh, that they've just been wearing, and they call them energy domes. Um, I'm in fact staring at a pin of one on my pin board above my desk, which is like. Legitimately, the heaviest pin I own. Like, if if I threw it at someone, it could probably break the skin. <laughs> it's like a molded. It's not a flat enamel pin. It, this yeah. thing is solid. Yeah, it is like a chunk of dense plastic that they somehow put a couple pin backs on. But yeah, like the the visual component of Devo, I think sort of went a, went a long way too in like making them sort of as recognizable as they were. Mm-hmm. On, honestly, in, in in the same way that like. Kiss would have been, you know, um, and I, I w- I've never been entirely sure if that was because of, like, that that was their intention to be like immediately visually recognizable, or that they were just so different that like it popped on TV so hard compared to every other you know mulleted rock dude uh, that would have been on that network at the time. Yeah, I think it was. Definitely to look different. I don't know if it was, you know, we're going to sell these or something, but I think it was definitely to point out that they're, they were not the same as everyone else. They seemed very obsessed with that to me. Their music continued to get more and more sort of obscure to a, a pop sensibility, you know, as it went on. So it's like, I think they were always sort of antagonistic to being popular which is great for a musical act <laughs> oh totally and and like the more antagonistic they got the more popular they got it seemed yeah w- one of their, their their most recent album which i think came out in god i was in college uh like mid 2000s um they they focus grouped it uh which seemed like the most devo idea they could have done at the time where like everything about it from the the title of the album to the cover to the song order everything was focus grouped and it 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 could have made it all feel really like generic but it makes it it makes it feel really like expansive and it it has a different vibe than a lot of other devo stuff like i think the cover is just like a sort of like model-ish woman like I think about to eat an energy dome, but they're blue now because the focus group said blue was a better color than red. Okay. <laughs> but there there's a there's a great song on there called What We Do Is What We Do. Mm-hmm. Uh which to me feels like the thesis statement of Devo in a lot of ways. Yes. I feel like they they did the same thing for a very long time and it just varied in quality a little bit in the eighties. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think the other thing that we kinda you can't talk about Devo, unfortunately, without talking about Dare to Be Stupid. That's right. Which is uh, Weird Al's Devo pastiche, which was my introduction to to Devo. I, I think I'd probably heard. I think I like knew of Whip It just because like 
you're a human in the world. You're probably going to hear Whip It. And, like, that, that song's pretty catchy for kids. But, like, it wasn't until I got, like, kind of deep into Weird Al and saw the video for Dare to be Stupid and was like, this is the, like, even for Weird Al, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And then finding out, oh, okay, it's a pastiche of this other band. And, like, oh, my God, he actually maybe wrote the best Devo song? Uh, that's not even technically a Devo song? Yeah, for me it was kind of weird because uh, you, I think you approach Weird Al with the sense like, oh, it's got to be funny. And it is it is kind of funny, but it, it reminded me a lot of a Devo song. I was wondering maybe if Mark Mothersbaugh listened to it or something, because if you put that on a Devo album, it would, be, it would just blend, blend in really well, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of the genius of weird ally as a songwriter is that he's just obviously nailed pastiche to like to the point where you're where you are like wait are you sure you didn't get help on this yeah and, and it's, i think too because it's it's not a it's it's not a parody of one specific song like it's it's his his records are generally kind of equally split between like direct parodies of things original songs and then these pastiches that are just like let me nail the style of this thing without directly doing one specific thing. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Uh, his his Zappa pastiche genius in France was kind of like that, though Dweezil actually played on that one. But yeah, he's he's done a done a few of them over the years. Uh, oh, his Talking Heads parody, uh, Dog Eat Dog, is another one where like I had never I didn't know Talking Heads. I was like, okay, that's a cool song. But then once I became like you know a full on member of the Church of David Byrne. I was like, oh, oh, he nailed the, like, cocaine and big business uh, vibes of Talking Heads. On the Wikipedia for Dare to be Stupid, it says, In an interview on VH1's Behind the Music, Devo's Mark Mothersbaugh stated in reaction to the song that, I was in shock. It was the most beautiful thing I had ever heard. He sort of re-sculpted that song into something else, and I hate him for it, basically. (laughs) I'd also just like to point out that really quick it does say single by weird al yankovic from the album dare to be stupid and the transformers the movie original motion picture soundtrack oh you're right (laughs) i forgot that was on i forgot dare to be stupid is is in the transformers movie and that weird al yankovic and orson welles are both in a sort of in a movie together which just warms my heart i hear that and i go oh wow in a movie together that sounds impossible Oh wow! No man, no no man. You can just put you can put two two people in a movie together. I mean, look at look at us. We're you're a you're a you're a Brit, you're a uh, fancy British guy, and I'm just I'm just old Wilson. But we're we're uh, we're in a TV show. We are you are beneath me. And then he appeared he appeared on the Transformers animated series as a uh, transformer named Rek Gar, who was the leader of the Junkions in the movie. Oh, nice. Wait, Weird Al or Orson Welles? Weird Al. Oh, okay. I guess I'm so confused. Yeah. I'm not talking about... If Orson Welles had played a Transformer, and I did not bring it up on our Orson Welles episode, what the fuck would I was doing? But he's in the Transformers movie, though. He's the bad guy. Yeah, he's the evil robot. But he's not a Transformer. Well, I guess he's a Decepticon, I guess. Yeah, Decepticon, yeah. If you had to pick, like, a favorite Devo song or, or, or album, what what would it be? And, and like, why, I guess? Also, Devo, why? Yeah, fair. Also, Devo, why? <laughs> it's like spitting on a fish. It's like barking up a tree. So, uh, this, is, this is pretty hard for me to narrow down, but um, 
I guess I'll have to give two real quick because uh, two albums that because they're both relatively beneath the radar. The second album, Duty Now for the Future, that's more of like I feel like they're like released from having from doing the more studio centric first album. It's a lot, you know, a lot more eccentric electronic music. It's got the Devo corporate anthem and some other uh, just a bunch of crazy songs. I was listening to it yesterday. It was song Clock Out which sounds like it's about leaving work, but then he's like, I got the secretary on her knees. And it's, 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 and it's going super fast. And I was like, what is going on? And it's just like, I guess, entertaining. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of like mildly sexual undertones to their lyrics, but it, it all feels like so detached from any actual like sexuality. <laughs> yeah, I guess they, they, they kind of get credit for being more um, critical than being sexist. I guess. Yeah, which 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 is fair. Like Devo are definitely one of those bands where like the idea was to make a point. Um, for for as, as much as I kind of can't stand him a lot of the time, Matt Besser uh, once described Devo um, and like the thing that attracted him to Devo as I love the idea of a band with a superstructure, which which has struck with me for a long time. That like oh yeah. This band is cool, but there's also like a like a bigger, more kind of meta idea around it that like influenced the music a little bit, but like it felt like it's its its own weird world, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Have you have you ever seen the um the De Evolution is real uh short film that they did? I think I think it's where it's where like the Jocko Homo video comes from. And it's just this like one of their first like visual projects and it's 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 very very devo i have seen that yeah have you seen and and this this film is truly one of the strangest things i've ever seen uh neil young's human highway you know i've seen the um isolated uh devo segment not the whole movie you can't even find that movie i don't think it's such a weird project you know yeah, it's I went to a screening of it a few years ago uh here in LA at the Vista. It, it, it's it's I certainly wouldn't say it's good, but it is truly fascinating. Neil Young decided to make essentially a post-apocalyptic sitcom where he's like uh, like the gas boy at some like weird out of the way like diner slash gas station in this, like, vaguely post-apocalyptic future, um, just doing, like, sitcom gags. And then every once in a while, a little cut to Devo working in a factory with, uh... Oh, what's... Uh, Jason, what's that? What's the character's name that, uh... uh Boogie Boy? Boogie Boy? Boogie Boy, yeah, that's correct. Boogie Boy. Uh, yeah, they're just in a factory with, uh, with Boogie Boy, um, like, glowing from radiation... And then they, uh, there's a weird, like, it, it, after an hour of sitcom, it suddenly becomes a concert film. Uh, and it's Devo and Neil Young doing, uh, I think they do Hey Hey My My, uh, but like with, with Bougie Boy singing and like hearing the sort of like raw 80s Neil Young, uh, combined with Devo was, like one of the most like tonally dissociating things I've ever heard, but is also 
like really weirdly fascinating in in how well it works. Huh. Uh, Jason, could you could you explain uh, Bougie Boy? Because I'm not entirely sure I can. <laughs> so it is, it is very weird. Technically, it is a giant man baby. I think the point, because, you know, de-evolution is that he's an adult, but he's so stupid, he resembles an infant. And the gag I always see is in their, in their videos and stuff, the, old, the older ones, obviously, but he'll be in a factory or something. And the machine kills him, and I was like, "That's the that's the joke." <laughs> he's dead because he's stupid. <laughs> I mean, that's that's I, that's that's pretty Devo. That's uh, that's a pretty Devo thing to do. And also, um, I saw Bougie Boy live technically when I saw Devo at the Del Mar racetrack. So it's an album and a concept. Oh no, Bougie uh, Bougie Boy is just a mascot. There's no there's no. I mean, I think there's some old songs on the Hardcore Devo albums that mentioned his name. Okay. When you said you saw, I was like, wait a minute, hold on. Is this like a thing for... I, uh, to me, I was like, oh, he's a video. He's not a thing that... A, Bougie Boy being a thing that can exist in the physical world upsets me. Yeah. <laughs> so the way they did it was they were they were playing, and then somehow Mark Mother's boss snuck off stage, and he came back on wearing like a, a green uh, nightgown and the Bougie Boy mask, and he was in a, like a really high-pitched voice saying like, we should all ride horses. Horses are great! Yay! Just, like it, it just went for a little while, and then he—that was it. It's—it's it's almost like it's almost like a mis- the Mister Bill voice, yeah. In a way. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh wow! Um, how is how is Devo live? I've always wanted to see them. I've just never been able to make it work. Are they still touring? When did you see them? I saw them. Uh, this was years ago. They're still touring a little bit. I think they—they they haven't really. They tried to retire. But then with COVID, I think they wanted to come back again. I feel like that's the story of every 80s band right now. They're like, we were going to tour, but COVID. And I'm like, I don't know if I believe you. <laughs> and now we're two years older. And that was the two years that made us really old. They're really good live. I think, um, you know, you get lots of, you, th- you think, not not us maybe, but other people. Oh, they're this silly band or there's, there's some kind of gimmick to them. But they really, they're really good musically. Like I, I was impressed. I was watching a uh, Gerald Casale play a uh, play keyboard because he was in the front of the stage, and it's like you really see how dynamic it is to play all those songs live. And so I, I really recommend it. I don't know if it's possible at this age, but yeah. Well, there's a uh, there's a live DVD that they released. I, I I can't I can't remember what it's called. They 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 put out a couple live things over the years. I've seen a few, yeah, yeah. But they released one in, I think, the early, mid-2000s that was kind of the, like, you know, uh, at that point, the like, this is what Devo is. Um, and it's a really good, like, visual representation of, of kind of what their whole live vibe is. Like, they, like, at the end of the day, they are sort of structured like a standard rock band, but they do a lot of really like visually interesting things just to keep it kind of you know changed up uh throughout the course of this show mark mothersbaugh like rips off every chunk of his like yellow hazmat suit and by the end he's just in like bike shorts and an energy dome and uh really looking like a dude in his late 50s yeah yeah i've seen that on dvd multiple times it's kind of i guess good for him but it's a little weird i guess i don't know (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I mean that's uh, Devo gonna Devo is really what it comes down to. Yeah, 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 that's true. But yeah, their 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 live thing is is 
really, really interesting and like worth taking a look at. Um, th- there's a couple like uh, other, you know, like at one point one of them has like a whammy bar that he whammies so hard that like all the strings on his guitar break. Um, they also like it, it establishes not all of Devo, but like. Uh, it establishes at least like Mark Mothersbaugh and then uh, Gerald. Is it Casale or Casale? Uh, I'm not. I'm no expert, but I've heard Casale. How, however, it's pronounced. Uh, it really establishes like the two of them as sort of like the faces of Devo, uh, which which is cool because in, in the past it had mostly just been uh, Mothersbaugh because he's the the sort of the more face and the voice. But like, it really makes it you, like live. You can see what the like really what the partnership is. I think. So there are three or four of them. Four of them. That's what I thought. It's interchangeable a little bit in the newer days. And they're two sets of brothers originally. Right. And they, they, and they, they, lot, they politely let one, a couple of the brothers go, I think. Or at least one of them. Oof. Well, I think, well one, of, one of them passed recently, right? I mean, I'm looking at a photo from 2010 that has uh, Gerald, Mark, Bob, and Bob. So that's the four of them from 2010 okay, at that's least. Good. I thought I thought that I thought that, that one of the Bobs had died earlier, but that's, that's good good news. Yeah, no. I, I, well, I, let's see. Band I think, yeah, I think one of the Bobs died within the last couple years, maybe even within the last like quarantine year. Yes, he died in 2014. Oh, okay. Mm. Damn, that long ago. Shit. Bob Casale or Casale or whatever. He died. He died in 2014, and he seemed to be more conditional because when you look at former members listing his is 73 to 74 76 to 91 96 to 2014 his death <laughs> that's what it's listed as before we sort of uh you know transition to the the sort of post devo work of uh you know all all those guys uh, i really want to talk for a minute about their their first album which is which is where my uh dumb bit up top came from uh, which has one of my favorite album titles of of all time. It's Q colon Are We Not Men? A colon We Are Devo. And it was the first record that they made. Um, thinks almost entirely due to David Bowie and Iggy Pop being like, "Hey, uh, y'all should, you know, some studio should let this band do a record." And they produced the whole thing in Berlin, I believe, with uh. Brian Eno and uh, Bowie to uh, I don't know if Bowie's like technically credited on it, but like he was definitely like contributed to the vibe. Um, but it's it's one of my favorite records and has this really like after this one their their sound did sort of morph more into what Devo would wind up sounding like. But this this particular record is so so like angular. And so, like, it, it really feels like like brutalist architecture uh, put onto a record, and has this like the the cover is like this uh, Church of the Subgenius looking dude whose face is on a golf ball. It's just all it's like nothing I'd ever seen before, and and even now, both compared to other records and other Devo records, it's like it still doesn't sound like anything else. Are you a fan of that that first one? Because I know you said your favorite was probably uh, the next one. Yeah, um, I do. I do enjoy that record. I I think just for personal taste, I do like the more experimental electronic sound and the crazier uh, lyrical content. But I, I I do have to admit, you know, it's just 
it's a really good it's weird because half the album is a really good rock album and half the album is sort of that Devo style peeking out and I guess they sort of leaned into the crazier parts afterwards but yeah it's a, it's a very solid album I, it's, it's worth a listen there's also a really uh really wild cover on there of i can't get no satisfaction uh which like not a band you'd expect to be covering that but no but i, th- I think for a lot of a lot of people uh i know for me that was i think the first devo song where i was like oh i f- I-, I get what this is now <laughs> Because, like, everybody knows I can't get no satisfaction, but, like, you've really and truly never heard that song like this before. Um, it, it could not be less Rolling Stones. It, it it feels like you put I can't get no satisfaction into, like, some sort of, like, big industrial machine and just, like, smashed it down and made it into this weird, like, angular block uh it's it's so it's so good uh so i've just uh in the course of looking up the casale brothers because i was trying to figure out how to say their last name no answer on that but i have just stumbled across the church of the subgenius oh yeah apparently which i was unaware of oh oh yeah we've never we've never i've never talked to you about bob roberts no never gave you the spiel no his name's bob dobbs jr bob dobbs oh bob dobbs yeah jr bob dobbs yeah uh, i i we've been married or we've been together for almost 14 years and i'm legitimately shocked that jr bob dobbs has never come up in the course of our relationship <laughs> especially back in college frankly yeah uh i'm i this seems wild i mean this seems so on brand for devo and like especially it seems so on brand for like the 80s and for it to be a like parody of really like oh big eighties energy, big Devo energy. I totally see how these things go together. <laughs> oh yeah, Ab- absolutely. It's very much in that like. Our sort crumb of... was a notable member. <laughs> of course he was. Yeah, notable associates of the church include Mark Mothersbaugh, Mojo Nixon, Paul Mavrides, Mavrides. Sure. Know. Paul Rubens. Mm-hmm. And members of Negative Land, David Byrne, and R. Crumb. I mean, that sounds like a like a pretty ideal blunt circle right there. Yeah. D- uh, do you fuck with the uh, with uh, J.R. Bob Dobbs, uh, Jason? I, I hate to branch them together, but um, well, growing up, I heard a lot about the Flying Spaghetti Monster. It's a you know similar similar lighter version. That was definitely like the the more contemporary version in the nineties. As an as an atheist, I just feel like. To ridicule religion, I don't really want to have to like do anything. Yeah, but you know, to each their own. It, it seems very funny and very well put together. So I, I think it's it seems it's the coolest of the fake religions for sure. Oh yeah, and, and I just I just love that we do live in a world where there can be a hierarchy of of fake religions. <laughs> um, are are there any other sort of like contemporaries of Devo uh, that you're really into? Because because I know you said you really like kind of eighty stuff in general. Um. Is there is there any, are there any other groups that you like that sort of scratch a similar itch? Yeah, I was thinking about it. It's interesting because I have two bands that kind of come at it from different ways. Because um, the the B fifty twos, I think you know, are, are, get the closest with the like the lyrical motif. I know it's not as like political or uh, commentary ish, but it is like using that sort of funny point of view to like build a band. So so it's like, and then uh, there was the 
the art of noise just because they're like also crazy with the the you know multiple synthesizers and stuff so it just remind it just reminds me a little bit of the sound both good bands well um are there is there are there any other uh topics in in de-evolution that we haven't uh really covered that you that you'd like to jason uh if you guys had any interaction with like the end of the 80s run because if you look at it it could be let's see one two three it could be four or five albums of like decline i just wonder if you guys any if you if you listen to any of that stuff like shout or total devo or smooth noodle maps i mean i haven't but those are all incredible names um i'm assuming you have so what are your feelings on them i was just gonna say like um because it's like they do the stuff i like with devo so what's the stuff that you like most with devo then that they're doing well i think it's the the tight sort of electronic musical arrangements and then uh mixing it with incisive lyrics and they, and they, they try to do that in the latter albums it's just like just doesn't land yeah it's just kind of fascinating because i i never have anyone to talk to about those albums because they're not like in the same cultural zeitgeist, you know. Well, talk to us about them. What, what about them? What about them d- doesn't work for you, or does work for you? In a way, it's like they're trying to sound more crossover, eight, like an '80s sound. But then it doesn't really match the year the albums came out. Yeah, they didn't really transition into the '90s super smoothly. No. Yeah, the the, the, the smooth noodle maps album in particular, it just felt like they were like, oh, we gotta do something different, so they just like. They just like went insane, and there's like more re- remixes. Re- yeah, more insane or or not fun insane or I don't know, but yeah. It's like a uh, on Joe Para talks to you. There's an episode called Joe Para uh, reads you the church bulletin, and the this episode really ends up being about him discovering the song Baba O'Reilly, and then at the very end of the episode, he says uh, he's listening to the outro and he's like, yeah, it's like they wrote a perfect song and then they panicked and added a violin solo. <laughs> I feel like a lot of bands in their later albums, it feels like they're doing okay, and then they panicked and add something weird that doesn't work with the rest of the album. Yeah, they just did a whole al- multiple albums of that, but I appreciate the effort. I think it's still worth looking into if you're a fan, obviously, like I, like I am. Yeah, look, it's still more songs than I've ever written, so like, good for them. They, they put out art. It just maybe isn't art that grabbed me in the way they hoped. The last thing I think we should probably talk about is the sort of post-Devo work uh, that Mark Mothersbaugh and all those guys have done. Uh, Actually, past guest of the show, uh, James Kislingbury, posed the question, what's the best non-Devo work of the Devo boys, and you can't say the Rugrats theme? (laughs) Oh, did they write the Rugrats theme? Mark Mothersbaugh did. Uh. Oh, oh, I'd have to go easily with the um, Pee Wee's Playhouse theme song i believe oh. that's one of those oh i didn't realize that it's so it's so quintessential to the show and fun to listen to like the whole show in general but yeah yeah that's yeah that's that he, he mark Mothersbaugh was like basically sort of became the guy that you get to score things when you need like music that's kind of weird <laughs> it was sung by cindy lopper doing a betty boop impersonation that's who sings the fucking peewee's playhouse song perfection <laughs> wow All that's right. wild I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of uh he did the scores for the first like 
handful of Wes Anderson movies until Wes Anderson sort of, you know, was like, fuck you, Mother's Ba. I'm going to, uh, oh, God, what's that fucker's name? Ah. Uh, why, why am I, I blanking on it? Know. He's he's an amazing. Uh, he's amazing. He's not Michael Giacchino. Um, Zimmer? No, not not Zimmer. Uh, the guy that he. Oh fuck me, Alexandre Desplat. Oh. Okay, I wouldn't have gotten there. He did the, he did the score for like Grand Budapest. Um, and just does a lot of scores now. Oh, that's why. So Wes Anderson, dude. That's why you know him and act like people should know who he is. Well, yeah, because he 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 became the Wes Anderson dude after Mark Mothersbaugh stopped being the Wes Anderson dude. <laughs> All right. Though there was, um, I think it's a testament to how like Mark Mothersbaugh does truly like look at music in a a sort of different way than I think a lot of people do. Um, there's a bonus feature on the. Life Aquatic Criterion Collection Blu-ray, uh, which is a sentence I just said. Um, a, that's just like a, an interview with Mark Mothersbaugh about all of the music he's done for Wes Anderson movies. And like, there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. Like, like Royal Tenenbaums is almost entirely like higher key, it's not higher key, but like higher timbre instruments, like harpsichords and stuff like that. But then he brings in like deep brass for royal whenever he needs to but there there's a part where he's talking about the the theme the piece of theme music for the boat in uh life aquatic the belafonte um and he's he reveals that like the theme for the belafonte was just he took royal tenenbaum's theme played it backwards or like, or like, loaded it into whatever you know scoring pr- program he used. Flipped it so it all played backwards, and then just like changed the instruments a little bit, but didn't really change anything else. Um, and it just became a a new piece that like feels so like original and uh like specific to this film and this and this boat. But like he he did it by just basically hitting <laughs> reverse. <laughs> And record. Huh. Which is, like, not the sort of thing that you would, that, you know, I think people would think to do a lot of the time. It, it's it's very much a, you know, it is a sort of de-evolution. Yeah, and also as much as, like, Devo's Devo and, like, people think of them as, like, a silly pop band or whatever, like, he's still a very prolific composer. Oh, yeah. Even, I'm now st- skimming more Pee-wee's Playhouse stuff, and uh, it even says, says uh, there's, like, a quote from him, uh, uh, Mother's Ball, who later went on to become a fixture in composing for children's shows like Rugrats, joined the show on hiatus from recording with Devo. Paul Rubens asked me to do Pee-wee's Playhouse, and I had some time, so I was like, yeah, let's do it. Pee-wee's Playhouse was really chaotic. They'd send me the tape from New York on Tuesday. I'd watch it Tuesday night. Wednesday, I'd write the music. Thursday, I'd record the music. It would go out Thursday night to them. They'd have Friday to cut it into the picture, and then Saturday, we'd watch it on TV. And it was, like, really fast, and instead of writing an album once a year, I was writing an album's worth of music once a week, and it was really exciting. It was a new experience, and it was a different creative process. So, like... He's not like he's like, yes, Devo turned out weird stuff, but he is still a very talented composer who can churn out music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's like I said, that's how I opened this show was that I said, I respect Devo, but I do not understand Devo. (laughs) Uh, And that's sort of what America said. (laughs) Yeah, very quickly. Kind of. Kind of in a way. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Jason, thank you so much for uh, devolving with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I hope it was hope it was fun. It it was it was it was good. It was nice to it was nice to uh you know just really get into the weeds with another spud. Plus, I got to talk about Human Highway, so like that rules because so I love pleased. talking about Human Highway. Stupid. Um, if people wanted to find more uh, Jason Luna content on their internet, how could they do that? Yes, uh, I'm on uh, YouTube. The username is Jason Luna One VS One Zero Zero, just like the game show. I do um I do puns every week. That's my, my thing right now. Oh, boy. That's Brandon's favorite. My least favorite um, form of comedy, but Brandon loves them. Mine are great, though. Mine are, mine are the good. Everybody thinks theirs are great. <laughs> yeah, let, let's break, break, break me off some puns. I, okay, so um, I, I wrote some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle puns today. So real quick, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, that Ninja Turtles make ladies of the clock floss, puke. That's right. They make nunchucks. Oof. Uh, Oof. And I'll see you next week. <laughs> um, that that actually r- reminds me of another uh, of an, another another dumb pun that I just came up with. Uh, what what would you say if uh your friend uh if you found out that your you were at your friend Mark's house and uh-huh, you found uh-huh. out that uh his mother was a was a sheep and that she was uh calling him from upstairs but you couldn't quite hear what was going on i can't hear you you uh oh that's good mama can you hear me no but it's it's uh it's what's that sound oh it's mark's mother's ball oh i feel i thought i feel better about that no no, no it's all good yeah, yeah good. see all yeah. of brandon's puns <laughs> are like a really long walk to oh mark's mother's ball no there you go like mark's mother's ball oh <laughs> Um, but yeah, if you wanted to, if you wanted to find more quality content like that, uh, you can find me all across the internet at Hell Yes Brandon. Um, don't, on all the don't do we- that though. No, you really shouldn't. On, on all the websites we we live our lives on, uh, even though we're no longer in quarantine anymore, because uh, we're now in this weird liminal space between two uh very different worlds. Um, and uh, Inkblot. Is is all over the place. SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, inappropriate things. Uh, same. Uh, I I hope uh, I'll have started gigging with them by now. I I won't be there, but uh, inappropriate things is is playing a uh, like weird like middle of the woods ska festival thing in October. So if you want to see uh, my new band without me. <laughs> Uh, go check out that show. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Beth, what about you? That's it? You got them all? I think so. I mean, unless I'm, I I mean, I shouldn't plug our show on, on our show, so, yeah. No, so I think we're good. All right, well, uh... Thank you uh, for listening to the show. You can follow me everywhere at at bscores with an underscore at the end. Um, all I've got to plug is Chaotic Roll, uh, first and third Tuesdays of every month on the Pack Theater Twitch channel. So obviously we do not have one tomorrow as it is a fourth Tuesday. Um, but come back next week and there'll be another one. Um, it's super fun. We play D&D in a one room, one dungeon style, super condensed uh, with one off characters. And it just gets it just gets wild and weird every time. It's super fun. Dice magic. 
yeah dice magic uh and yeah the easiest way to find me though is to follow the show online at, at IntuitPod on twitter or hashtag IntuitPod on instagram we are also on facebook if you get any mileage out of that thank you as always to kaylin west and tiny stills for the use of our theme song starting over is a lot like giving up off the album falling is like flying and thank you to indiesaurus for having us on the network go check out all the great indiesaurus shows join the indiesaurus discord or around come talk to us that's all i've got hell yes well uh jason thank you so much for uh for whipping it with us today uh, wow wow thanks for having me wow. Oh, wow. oh wow i'm shocked that with all the whippet jokes you didn't tell the story about trey and the whip oh i forgot about the story about trey and the whip i'll, I'll save that for when we do our uh, eventual fish sequel episode or a bittersweet motel episode no we're not doing a fish two episode we, we're probably gonna have to do a fish two episode eventually absolutely not we're probably gonna have to do a fish episode again eventually we're probably gonna have to do it for our hundredth episode in fact we we'll probably have to do about 10 of them just to celebrate that and really cover everything absolutely you know what just to make not. it to make it even we'll do a baker's dozen of them uh no. and we re- i won't repeat a single joke or that's thought over 13 episodes well, that's distinctly not true. <laughs> Though we do have our we do have our uh, 100th episode coming up three episodes from now. So that's true. Stay tuned to find out what that's going to be. Will it be something special, or will we just decide that's too exhausting? Find out. <laughs> Probably the second one. Um, I, I, oh, I forgot to, I forgot to mention uh, when we were talking about it earlier. In a sort of like the wildest confluence of things that I love. Um, when Weird Al was doing his, uh, like, B-sides and originals tour a few years ago, uh, which was, like, made just for fucking dorks like me, um, the version of Dare to be Stupid he did wasn't the, the Devo version, essentially. He took the lyrics, but he made it into a Grateful Dead song. Oh, I remember this. And it's yeah, it's ba- it's basically trucking, but with the lyrics to "Dare to Be Stupid." And the first time I heard it, I was like, "Oh, he did that just for me. This wasn't for anyone else, but for me. <laughs> this is for anyone but you." So yeah. All that being said, podcast over. Oh wow. <laughs>